0: Welcome to the study of God's Word with Pastor and author Ed Taylor, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, here's Pastor Ed to take us into our study. Amen, amen. Take your Bibles again, open them to Daniel chapter 12, and if you wanna get ahead, go to 2 Timothy chapter three. Daniel chapter 12, 2 Timothy chapter three. As we wind down this study in Daniel, notice with me in verse one, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. We've been studying Daniel in the NLT, and I'll go back and forth, New King James NLT through this time, but notice in verse one. At that time, Michael the archangel who stands guard over your nation, will arise. And there'll be a time of anguish greater than any any since nations first came into existence. But at that time, every one of your people whose name is written in the book will be rescued. Many of those whose bodies lie dead and buried will rise up, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting disgrace. Those who are wise will shine as bright as the sky And those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. But you, Daniel, keep this prophecy a secret. Seal up the book until the time of the end, when many will rush here and there, and knowledge will increase. Jump down to verse 9. But he said, go now, Daniel, for what I have said is kept secret and sealed until the time of the end. Many will be purified, cleansed, and refined by these trials. But the wicked will continue in their wickedness, and none of them will understand. Only those who are wise will know what it means. The title of our Bible study today is Difficult, Perilous, and Challenging Times. And as we close up the book of Daniel together, we're reminded of that. We're, that Daniel was writing about the end of the age and the end of the world. It's not a popular topic. Not many people want to face the reality of seeing the world wind down. Even though it's not popular, it's one that's very evident. I'm not typically a gloom and doom preacher. Uh, I want to be able to share the truth. I want the truth to stir us into love and righteousness. But as we look at some of these things, it can be very discouraging. I love to study the Word of God. I love to teach the Word of God in spirit and in truth. I love to encourage the abundant life, abiding in life in Christ, but we also have to have our eyes wide open, the time of the end. The time of the end of world history heading into the great tribulation period. And so we're pausing for the next few weeks of looking at the attributes that the Bible teaches us on the end of the age. And it's good to pause and remember even as, now hold your places and go over to 2 Timothy now, chapter 3, because Timothy was in a time in his life wrestling with the reality of the last days. And might I remind you that the last days began on the day of Pentecost. The last days began on the outpouring, at the moment of the outpouring, of the Holy Spirit. That I believe every generation, it was intended by God for every generation to live live, with the expectancy of the soon return of Jesus Christ. Not to relegate it to another generation, to our kids or our grandkids or our great-grandkids, but to live with the urgency and that essence of the imminent return of Christ, that it can happen at any moment. And Timothy lived in such a time, and he lived in such a time with great difficulty. Pick up with me in chapter 3, verse 1 of Second Timothy, where Paul the older or the elder, is writing to the young leader, Timothy, and he says, You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times, or in your New King James, perilous times, very difficult, for people will only love themselves and their money. They'll be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful. They'll consider nothing sacred. They'll be unloving, unforgiving, They'll slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. Verse 4, they'll betray their friends and be reckless and be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. They'll act religious, but they'll reject the power that can make them godly. Stay away from people like that. Verse 6, they're the kind who work their way into people's homes and win the confidence of vulnerable women who are burdened with the guilt of sin and controlled by various desires. Such women are forever following new teachings, but they are never able to understand the truth. These teachers oppose the truth just as Jans and Jambries opposed Moses. They have depraved minds and a counterfeit faith. They won't, they won't get away with it for long. Someday, everybody will recognize what fools they are just as it was with Janice and Jambres. Know this, Timothy. Know this, church. Know this, Aurora, Colorado, the United States, and anyone tuned in around the world. Difficult times will come in the last days. Very perilous. And I'm sure that Timothy, he lived with the sense that he was in the last days, This was written in a time with Nero raging, Christians being martyred, hiding out, gathering underground. Surely the church is believing that this was the time. The coming of the Lord was at hand. But Paul points out that as bad as it was, it's gonna get harder, and it's gonna get more difficult. And I think we have to come to the conclusion, church, that as hard as things get, things are gonna get harder for believers, not easier. And I know that there's that sense where we desire to have things ease up and get easier. And in some respects, God is gonna honor that and bless us. However, things will get harder. We can face the difficulties by faith. And I believe Paul and Timothy, Peter, John, the apostles, the believers lived as if the rapture would happen in his lifetime in their lifetime. That was their expectation and their hope. And I hope it happens in my lifetime. I hope, you hope, it happens in your lifetime. That you would expect the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question. Would the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ solve your problems, yes or no? Yes, Yes, of course it would. Now it's a bittersweet thing, right? Because we have people that we love. We have people that we care for that haven't repented of their sins. And so there's a little, like, like, I want the Lord to come. I want to be in eternity. I'm looking forward to being in the presence of the Lord. I'm looking forward to being reunited with those that I love. I'm looking forward to it. But there's that sense of, but, but wait, Lord, just a little bit longer. Wait, Lord, I want to experience this. And how life and life's burdens and the cares of this life can take away our hope. The end times are upon us. And difficulty surrounds us. You know, often I'm asked, well, wait a minute, Ed. If every generation lived with the expectation that Jesus was going to return, then what about those that thought he would return in their lifetime, and he didn't? Well, even though he didn't come as they thought and they lived, listen, even though they, Jesus, each generation that was waiting for the coming of the Lord, and He didn't come before they passed on into eternity, listen, their desire to live with the urgency of Christ's return impacted their lives, and it changed them, and it brought about a depth of holiness and commitment in their lives where they lived for eternal things, not just simply for the here and now. And you say, Well, what if I'm waiting for the Lord and I don't get to see the rapture? Well, if you don't get to see the rapture, you're going to get to see Jesus Christ face to face, one way or another. And our hope is his return because Jesus keeps his promises. Listen, if you want to live a zealous, fulfilling, exciting kind of Christian life, then look for the coming of the Lord day by day. You can wake up every morning and go, Lord, is it today? Is it today? Is it now? It will change you and everyone around you. He says in verse 1, very difficult. Or you could circle that word and right next to it, perilous. Very difficult. The word means fierce. Fierce times. Hard times. Difficult to bear up under. These are coming, Paul says. You know this, Timothy. In the last days, it's going to be really hard. And it's going to be very difficult. And how does he measure it? He measures it in relationship to people. He measures the spiritual reality and the spiritual difficulties in relationship to the behaviors of people. That when you see the end times, you're gonna see people flip out. You're gonna see people change. You're gonna see evil run more rampant. You're gonna see that there are some that are actually counterfeit believers. And it was the end times and the last days that serve to re- the reveal that. And as you, read the, as you read through the list here, it's like a typical, uh, a typical reading through a day of, on the drudge report of the things that you're reading and the difficulties that are going on and this is happening over here and this guy's ripping off over there and this guy's happening, this guy's taking advantage and on, you, you read these things boastful and proud and scoffing at God. It's like a day-by-day linear, you know, going through the news together. But as we read through these, there are commas separating each event. But I don't know that that Paul wanted it to be said that way. You know, in the original Greek, there isn't any commas. There isn't, it just reads straight through. And as you read it straight through, you're like, wow. One after another, after another, after another. We see these things in our own society. Notice, people, verse 2, will be lovers of themselves. And that was the topic of our study just this weekend, how narcissistic behaviors have entered into all of our lives, whether we like it or not. That self-centeredness, selfishness has entered into our lives pretty rapidly. It's easy to point the finger at our culture, and it's easy to point the finger at others, but, but as my pastor taught us, when you point the finger, you always got three coming right back at you. You can try it. You can point, you go, wow, I got three fingers pointing right back at me. It's not the culture that I'm responsible for. What I'm responsible for is my life. And it's much easier, it's kind of convenient to be a judge on culture, but what do you expect from a culture that's turned their back on God? What do you expect from a culture that doesn't value life? What do you expect from a culture that's separated from God and walking in blindness? No, what we have control over is what do you expect from a born-again believer? What do you expect from a born-again believer in these last days? And Timothy's warning, I mean, Paul's warning Timothy, don't be overly discouraged when you start to see these things. It's a sign of the last days. And so let's go through them one by one. Verse 2, people will love only themselves. And that's where it all begins, self-focus. Secondly, they'll be lovers of money and you'll find that there's a rise in covetousness, and money becomes a goal and a passion. It becomes an all-consuming desire, the desire for more stuff and more things. And you can see that in a very real way by the amount of storage units that are being built all over Now, there's a piece of property over on 470 in Gartrell. Of course, you guys listening in from somewhere else, you don't know where that is. But south of us, there's a piece of property there that was once owned by a church. I think it was about eight or ten acres. It was once owned by a very large church in Aurora. And unfortunately, the enemy got in, destroyed that church, scattered them. You know what's on that property today? Storage units. Well, a property that was dedicated with the tithes and offerings of a church... And it still belonged to the new church. There's a church that that church grew out of. But they ended up selling it. And now you can drive by it. You can see it's right on the side of the road. It's a storage unit. And it just seems to be a symbolism of something that whatever was going on in that church, and I don't actually know all the details. I just know there was massive division and, and it disintegrated. And a piece of property that there was going to be a church on, a church right next to that, that, uh, that Mormon building there, that Mormon building had right next door was gonna be a massive church, and it's storage units today. And how to store, why do we keep building more storage units, why, why do we need them? Well, because money leads to things, leads to a need of space, things begin to control our decisions, you don't need a storage unit for that. Things begin to control decisions, our personal consumer debt increases, And then life revolves out of getting out of debt so that we can spend more. Our culture. You know, as we make assessments on people in the last days, we need to be careful for those characteristics not to enter into our life. Notice he says in verse 2, they'll be boastful and proud, scoffing at God. Scoffing at God in the New King James is blasphemers. In the last days, the songs of the culture will reflect that. The best-selling books will reflect that. The, the cable television shows, things on YouTube. Blasphemy will be on the lips of politicians, will be on the lips of movie stars, will be on the uh, lips of the elite of society. Not only that, but next notice, in the last days, there'll be those that are disobedient to parents. Disobedient to parents. There'll just be a, a, a general rebellion among the youth running wild with no restraint. The youth being under the influence of culture, being under the influence of substances, and yes, being under the influence of self. He says, notice, uh, not only disobedient to parents, but they'll be ungrateful. They'll consider, verse 2, nothing sacred. They'll be unloving and unforgiving. Unloving and unforgiving. And they'll slander others and have no self-control. In the old King James... we haven't read, many of us haven't read in a long time, but I jotted a note down. In the old King James, unloving is translated without natural affection. And you see what's happening today with the rise of child abuse and child neglect and abortion, parents abandoning their children, the kids in the foster care system continue to increase. It's without natural affection. You see in a culture that just begins to choose self. Again, you can jot it down in Romans chapter one. Romans chapter one tells us that the culture around the last days will be filled with people that leave their natural affection, so arise in homosexuality and lesbianism, and arise in the confusion that comes alongside of abandoning God's definition of men and women and marriage. Then there'll be unforgiving, and there'll be a hardness of heart. Uh, today, you could translate that word, there'll be a sense of irreconcilable differences, which, by the way, is one of the most popular reasons why divorce exists today. He says, why do you want to get a divorce. Well, we just, uh, we're just irre- irre- irreconcilable differences. Even in the church, as we were having appointments after appointments after appointments before this whole thing went down, some of the hardest, most difficult things our pastors are hearing was just before these things are closing down. And just couples coming in, but they really don't want to work on it. It's grateful couples are coming in, but like they just wanted to devour one another. And I still, in my mind, one of the most difficult couples I ever sat down with, I have in my mind a photographic memory of them sitting in my office and the wife just describing all of the illicit, sinful things she did. I just had to, I had to stop her. She was crushing her husband. She had no desire to reconcile. And just comes from a hard heart. We live in a society filled with hard hearts. And like society, you know, this, the, the, the world like, like dirt, you know, you walk out barefoot, your feet are going to get dirty. You're living in this culture, you're going to get dirtied by this culture. So why the Bible speaks of, and I love this with husbands and wives, but I think in a general sense, the Bible speaks of being washed with the water of the word to shake it off. I mean, you pick it up, but you got to shake it off. You dust the feet, you, d- you dust off the dirt off the bottom of your feet, and you go, no, I'm not going to live for this world. I'm not going to live like this world, because it's going to get worse and worse in the last days. Notice back, it says they're going to be unloving, unforgiving, and they're going to slander others. Been sl- you? No need to answer this, but have you been slandered lately? I'll answer it for you. I have. That seems like a daily occasion. Somebody saying something about Ed. That's one of the reasons I'm not on Facebook anymore. I don't want to hear or see what you say about me when you slander me. Because anybody that would do that on social media and know how to get a hold of me, I don't have time for that. I ain't got no time for that. (laughs) Lighten up the room a little bit. You guys just lighten up. But the last days, I mean, let me just say this by a a yes or no, and you guys online, yes or no, you guys listening on Grace FM, have I, are you, are you convinced yet that we're in the last days? Yes or no? Okay, well, we'll just end the Bible study and head out. No, 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 because we're not done. Slanders without self-control. It's just part of the end times. Just people beating each other up, people taking each other out. People in high levels of position of authority, thinking that it's okay as a model to slander one another for political purposes, or any other purposes for that matter. Notice, they have no self-control. Now we know in the Bible that self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. So apart from the Spirit, it's very difficult to practice self-control. Not impossible, just difficult. But notice, this is, a, this is a picture of the last day's culture. So the last day's culture is going to be out of control. And certainly it is today. Again, it says in the end of verse 3, they'll be cruel and hate what is good. Cruel and despisers of good. And the cruelty today is so hard. Where you do, you just say that, you, you, you make an assessment on something, you go, you know, that's just not bad, that's cruel. And, and, I, and not just that you word, we might use, um, we might use that word in various, various ways to describe the worst, worst kind of behavior that's mean-spirited. That's the last days. Notice verse four. They'll betray their friends and be reckless and be puffed up with pride. In the New King James, traitors, headstrong, and haughty. And so when you hear the word traitor, you kind of think of it in terms of a governmental thing, but the New Living pulls that word out very well. It's not traitors, it's betrayal. It's betrayal of friends. And how is a betrayal, how does one choose betrayal? By being a lover of self. Everything starts at the beginning. Looking out for number one, caring for only myself, will lead to betrayal. Notice he says, they love pleasure rather than God. They're not God lovers, they're pleasure lovers. And that's interesting. Because nothing wrong with loving pleasure, God has given us all things richly to enjoy. So, so God is not wanting us to have like this joyless, unhappy life. No, there's nothing wrong with loving pleasure. God created it. And God made all kinds of things for us to enjoy. The problem is, is what's described here. They love pleasure rather than loving God. Loving pleasure rather than loving God. And even as we were praying today, so fitting we prayed this. Matthew chapter 6 verse 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. The New Living says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Well, then he describes in verse 5, they'll act religious. They'll have a form of godliness, but they will reject the power that could have made them godly. They'll have a form of godliness, but they'll reject the power. They'll deny the power of God therein. They, they'll have an outward appearance. And I've always said, you know, if if some of the folks that have an outward appearance, if they would just spend that time of putting up a front, they would just invest that time of putting up a front into living for God. What a powerful force they'd be in the culture. What a powerful force they'd be in the church. What a powerful force they would be in the name of Jesus Christ if you wouldn't be spending all that time trying to put up a front, trying to remember who you lied to, what lie you said, how to come with some kind of appearance. Look at me, I'm godly. Look at me, I'm following. Look, mom and dad, I'm obeying you. But all the while, behind the scenes, you're betraying, you're lying, you're deceitful, you're into things you know. And, and the whole thing is all because of hypocrisy. And he says, these that deny the power are counterfeits. As you jump down to verse 8, they have a counterfeit faith. And there's hypocrisy. These are the kind that worm their way in. Remember, we looked at this last time. Uh, The emphasis is not so much on women as it is on the vulnerability of the person. The vulnerability of the person that's been laid out in a position of being influenced and unprotected, men and women. And they bring confusion and false doctrine. It says again in verse 6, these are the kind who work their way into people's homes. They win the confidence of vulnerable women, burdened down with the guilt of sin, controlled by various desires, forever following new teachings. They're never able to understand the truth. And then there's opposition in verse 8. There are those that oppose the truth just as Jans and Jambries opposed Moses. They have a depraved mind and a counterfeit faith. They won't get away with it for long. Someday everyone will recognize what fools they are just like it was with Janus and Jambries. Then verse 10, and this is where we'll close in this chapter. With all that in mind, we're already convinced. We got to put ourselves in a, the position of Timothy here as if the Holy Spirit is teaching us And it says, but you Timothy, but you Ed, but you Calvary, you certainly know what I taught and how I live and what my purpose in life is. You know my faith, my patience, my love, my endurance. You know how much persecution and suffering I've endured. You know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch, Iconium and Lystra, but the Lord rescued me from it all. Yes, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ will suffer persecution. And this is where he's tying the believer with the culture and saying, look, in the last days, your desire to live a godly life. This is is what he's saying. Church, this is what he's saying. Your living in the last days combined with your desire to live a godly life will equal persecution. That's just the way it's going to be. You can't get around it. Oh, yes, I can, Ed. Yeah, here's the way to get around it. You live like the culture. And you sound like the culture. And you look like the culture. And, and yet you've got an appearance of godliness, but you're denying the very power of God. You're denying the, the very power of God that makes you godly, that has the ability to give you that depth of relationship. Listen, you and I, we are not going to get around the difficulties of the end times. I believe 100% fully convinced, biblically and scripturally, in a pre-tribulational premillennial rapture. I believe it. I believe that the Lord's coming back before the great tribulation period. But let's just say I'm in error, that perhaps Jesus will return after the tribulation period. Because the reality of this expectation to avoid the tribulation period has some believers thinking they won't have trouble, that it's going to be fine. And I won't have to go through the great tribulation period. And I say, praise God. And there's a lot of biblical reasons for that. I, I firmly believe that. But let's just say it's at the end. It doesn't matter either way. You're going to face hard trials in your life as we are closer to the coming of the Lord than ever before. That we are closer to his soon return. And yeah, if, if uh, the Lord returns after Uh, the tribulation, I'll change my theology then, and I'll just fix it all and go back and edit the tapes. Actually, we don't have tapes anymore. We'll edit whatever we're using. What are we using now? Digital files. We'll have somebody go in and edit it because it doesn't matter really. If you're living for the soon return of Jesus Christ, you will be happy when he comes back, and you'll be excited when he returns. Now, notice he says, that in the last days, in verse 13, evil people and imposters will flourish. They'll deceive others, and they themselves will be deceived. But you, Timothy, you, Ed, you, Calvary, listen, you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they're true, for you know that you can trust those who taught you. And with this time of quarantine and being at home, ears have been very itchy, and I've received probably more YouTube links for things for me to watch and comment on and answer questions in the last 12 weeks than I probably have in the last 12 months, because people are just... They're just going and my cousin saw this and sent it to me and I saw this on Facebook. The Bible says imposters in the last days will arise. So be careful. It's okay to cling to the simplicity of the gospel and to trust the Lord, especially in tough times. Yeah, but but this guy says this. Yeah, but it's not what you were taught. But but she, I got this video, and she said, this is happening. It's not what you were taught. And you know as well as I do, I'm not going to, I don't have time to watch everybody's YouTube videos. There's a reason why I'm not watching them to begin with. And so I'll answer, or I'll respond to the email. What is your question? And I'll answer it biblically. And usually it's a one or two sentence answer. It's a one, or, they watch five hours of YouTube videos, but a two sentence answer settles it. Or whatever the Bible has to say. It's like, this is what the Bible says. I, my latest one was on the Sabbath today. One of the sisters in the church, I think it was her daughter, said she watched this video and now she thinks we're worshiping the sun and we're following this and it's all because of the Sabbath. And I said, well, here I taught a Bible study on the Sabbath and listened to it and just, just tell, I said, I don't worship the sun. Do you worship the sun? Tell your daughter we don't worship the sun. And that's it. Save yourself 45 minutes. Now, of course, if anyone says, like under your breath right now or watching on, well, I kind of worship the sun. Call us, would you please? Call us, let us fix your theology. I worship the sun, S-O-N, not the sun, S-U-N. But here it's troubled this girl, it's troubled her mom, and it comes into my email box, I'm not troubled. This is what the Bible says, give her that answer. And you don't need to be troubled either. But if you veer off, you're going to find yourself listening to who? Like the New Living Translation says, imposters. People saying they're speaking in the name of God, but not speaking forth the Word of God. You know, somebody could teach you for 60 minutes and never give you the Word of God. You know that, right? And so be careful, walk in wisdom, invest that time in the Word unlike that person that sent the video to you and said, I don't even want this stuff anymore. I don't need it. Because at the wrong time, in that vulnerable moment, your ears are itching. You're hurting. You're grieving. You're fearful. You're concerned. You're mad. You're frustrated with all your emotions flowing. And then boom, you don't think the enemy doesn't know that? You don't think there's a spiritual battle for your soul? You don't think there's warfare surrounding the the, uh, enemy and this world system wanting to get in and influence your thinking and distract you from the cause of Jesus Christ? You're in the last days, so take heed to these warnings. Remain notice verse 14 remain faithful to the things you've been taught. You know they're true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. And and here's the trust if if I'm the one that teaches you, here's the trust. Whatever I say, search it by the word of God. That's the trust you can have. Search it by the word of God. And if it's an essential doctrine, we better be in agreement. But if it's one of those secondary things, then there's room for disagreement. Let's just make sure we major on what's important and not spend a lot of time arguing about things where there's two different viewpoints on it. We'll get back to the gospel. Anytime there's arguments, I just getting that sense, just narrowing it down, like, let's just go out and evangelize the lost. Why are we arguing about this? There are people lost and dying and going to hell. Let's go get them. And uh, don't be all aggressive. Like, okay, we're going to go out and get them. Like, let's, let's, let's love and share in our culture because love penetrates all this. So notice verse 15, he says to Timothy, you have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood. Some of you, that's your testimony. Isn't that great? It's a testimony of my kids. Marie and I, we got saved, born again, early enough to raise our kids in the ways of the Lord. But no matter when you were, some of you have that testimony, and then some of you are parents, no matter when you were born again, you began right away immediately to raise your kids in the ways of the Lord. You've been taught the whole... Notice what he was taught. He was taught the holy scriptures. That's what our kids need. Even if later on they decide to wander off, they decide to to backslide, they decide to do... Even if... You give them the scriptures. Parents, you have one job. Get your kids to heaven. (laughs) Point them to the cross. Give them the good news of the gospel. Live it out by example. Humble yourself when you fail. But you got one job. Get your kids to the cross so that they can choose of their own free will to follow Jesus. So here he is. He's been given the scriptures from childhood. and, And we know that it was from his mom and his grandmother. gave him the scriptures. Praise God for you moms and grandmas. We love you and appreciate you. I had a grandmother that prayed for me constantly and uh, I believe that God heard her prayers. Notice they have given you wisdom to receive salvation that comes from trusting in Christ Jesus. Why is your goal parents and grandparents to get the word of God in your kids? Because the word of God gives you wisdom to receive The salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus, right? In another place, the Bible would say, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Because it's with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made to salvation. And then he ends in verse 16, all scriptures inspired of God and useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what's wrong in our lives, It corrects us when we're wrong, teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. The last days, it's gonna be wild and out of control, but it's gonna be filled with men and women and boys and girls that walk in truth and are men and women of the Bible, enduring and persevering. And we could easily take each one of these attributes and see the opposite of the fruit of the Spirit in your life and mine. Enduring, not quitting. Remaining loyal, not betraying. Staying true and not walking in falsehood. Being grateful, not ungrateful. Submitting to your parents, not, you can go through the whole list and see that this is a pattern of God's Spirit in us and not the flesh. And so Father, we're grateful for the insights of the last days Uh, as difficult as they might be. and, And here we are, the generation, living in it. And recognizing that those in our church family and those listening in, those that are here in front of me, many of these situations in the culture have touched them personally and have moved them to take back what the devil has wanted to steal, kill, and destroy. So Father, we're asking you to empower us and embolden us with the grace and the mercy and the love that you have for us. And if if you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, today is that day. You're watching online and you're like, hey, you know what? I can see the culture for what it is and now God has given you a definition of what the culture is. And you can see that it's easy to just go along with it but God is calling you out of that. Each one of those elements that we went through would be considered a sin before God. The last days we'll see a pro- proliferation of sin. But then you kind of look at it, you go, I'm not really interested so much in the last days as I am in my own life. And I see a proliferation of these behaviors in my own life. Well, listen, whether you're watching online or listening on the radio or even in this room today, know this, that God sent his son Jesus Christ to die for you. And that if you would turn away from your sins and admit the reality of your current condition, recognizing that you've been separated from God, if you repent from your sins and ask God to forgive you, He will forgive you. You confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead. You will be saved. And so you can do that today. I want to lead you in a prayer to confess Jesus Christ as your Savior. And you, you say, but Ed, I don't understand it all. I don't understand the Bible. And it's so, you, you don't need to understand everything in order to give your life to Jesus Christ. Just respond to what you heard today, that God loves you and he sent us on Jesus Christ to die for you. And then they took Jesus off the cross and they put him into a tomb. And here's the, here's the amazing thing, never to be duplicated ever again, never will be, He rose again the third day. He's alive today, Jesus Christ. He's God in human flesh. And not only did he rise again from the dead, but he went back into heaven and promised to return. That's what we've been talking about. And today, if you wanna give your life to Jesus and receive the gift of salvation, I wanna invite you to do just that. So here, we're gonna teach you how to pray. And praying is talking to God. And so you can talk to God right now. You can do that out loud. You ready? You could say, God, I admit that I've sinned against you. And I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. And I believe you sent Jesus Christ to live for me, to die for me, and I believe Jesus rose again from the dead to save my soul. And I decide to follow you from this day forward, God. And I thank you for saving me. And I'm asking you for your help, God to turn away from my sinful past and to live my life for you. Listen, if you prayed that prayer, God heard it and he receives you. And what's left now is to live in the newness of life. Now, with, without the restrictions that we've had, uh, we would have you, in, if you were in the room, we'd invite you up front to pick up one of these packets. But you're not here And we have the restrictions on handing out pamphlets and stuff. So here's what we did. We put it all online. You can print it out yourself. You can go to our website, calvaryco.church. Wherever you're listening, up and down the front range in Wyoming, Nebraska, you're down in Pueblo, you can go to our website, calvaryco.church. Scroll down to the bottom, and there's a tab there that says how to know God. Everything we give here is available for free on our website. And then you can email us and tell us that you responded to the gospel. We'll stay in t- touch with you and we'll connect with you. Or you can text us. We have a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week text line. Here's the number if you're ready for it. 720-336-0897. 720-336-0897. Use it any day or night. We will see it. We, I will pray over it, and then I'll pass it on to our pastors, to their wives. I'll pass it on to the, those that are on our prayer team, and we'll pray, and we'll lift you up. And we've already gotten testimonies of answers to prayer. So good. So encouraging. And so as you consider the days in which you live, we've got a couple more weeks of this, so be ready. Ready? Because we're going to go back to Matthew 24 and we're going to look at what Jesus had to say about the last days and then we'll finally finish up the book of Daniel. But we have to have context. We have to have perspective on the days in which we live. And I wouldn't be a faithful pastor if I didn't tell you, look guys, this is it. The coming of the Lord is upon us. And I'm not making it up. Just go to a drudge report and read a story yourself. I'm not trying to hype up the church. I'm just trying to give you perspective. The coming of the Lord is at hand. And I want you to be excited about it. I want it to change your life. I want you to live with the blessed hope that the Bible says, if you live with the blessed hope, there'll be a work of holiness in you that God does. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.